The Fable and Folly Network supports creators of exceptional audio stories, including the one you're listening to right now. If you love our shows, we want to hear from you. Complete our listener survey at fableandfolly.com slash survey. This will help us learn more about you, what you like, what you'd like to hear more of, and how we can maintain an inclusive, safe atmosphere. As a thank you for your participation, we have extras and behind-the-scenes content from your favorite shows. Fans make the network what it is. Thanks for listening, and we can't wait to hear from you. Find our listener survey at fableandfolly.com slash survey today. So, my buddy got married, and... I ended up being the best man by default. And of course, being the best man, having to make a speech, I decided to get really drunk ahead of time. Oh. oh no. And I asked my girlfriend beforehand, I'm like, what should I do? I've never made a speech before. And she goes, eh, just ad lib it. <laughs> oh, no. So I took that to heart and before the wedding went out and bought a Mad Libs book. Oh my goodness. At least it was Star Wars themed. We were all nerds. And uh, so you didn't add it. You mad lived it. Mad lived it. It was the story of it was the story of my friend Devin and my friend Susan using their names to replace Han Solo and Leia. Everyone must have loved it though. Oh no, because I should have gotten the answers ahead of time instead of during the speech. Previously in Greater Boston, I'm taking early start courses in veterinary science at CCSCCCC. I've got to learn to disentangle tumors from a mess of guts that look like a blob of angel hair spaghetti packed into like a baby mitten. No one has ever designed a convertible subway car before. I have this nephew, Isaiah, commutes to Tufts in Somerville, all the way from Dorchester. I'm just wondering if it'd be good to tell people, you know, about your condition. I'm not sure I can do this anymore. Redline. Arlington. And I'm Kingry. from Dorchester. Jamaica right. uh, Plain. Uh, Wellesley. Lowell. Redline. Worcester. Uh, I'm from Somerville. Tuxbury. Park. Roslindale. Andover. Dorchester. Framingham. Medford, this is. Lowell. This is. Revere. Methuen. This is. This is. This is. Greater Boston. This week in Greater Boston, episode 22. Chuck Octagon's new seven wedding special live from Redline with special guest Andy Wood. Yeah, I know Chuck Octagon. Good old Chucko. He almost changed his name, you know? Because he's getting hitched? Thought he should take his dude's name, be all Chuck and Andy Wood, like that. Chuck Wood. I was all like, no way, dude, might as well call yourself Chuck Bonercock. So, but I talked him out of it. I told him, Chucko, you're in media. You're your own product, right? Chuck Octagon is the brand, and you do not fuck around with an established brand. Hey, you didn't scrub your cuticles. Get your ass back at that sink. You don't come into my OR with those half-scrubbed shit wipers. You get the fuck back in there and scrub like no one ever invented TP. Got it? Good. So anyway, I told him, like, imagine if Coca-Cola just suddenly decided to change Coca-Cola. Like, they just stopped making Coke and decided to make something completely different. And he looks at me like he can't believe what I'm saying. And then he's all, you know they did that, right? They changed the whole recipe. Canceled Coke, made new Coke. And we're just like, this is what you get now. And I'm all, no, no way they did that. And he's all, yeah, huh. And I'm all, well, that's just some fucking stupid side right there. Like, I bet everyone just lost their shit. And he said, yeah, it was exactly like I thought. Long story short, Chucko's still Chucko, and he's going to stay Chucko. Thanks to me. Yeah, you're good now. Let's get in there. Let's see, what are we working on today? Oh, a little bunny rabbit. Well, he's a little cutie, isn't he? So anyway, I'm his go-to girl when he needs a story. Like, when that guy died at Wonderland last year, I was there for that. I was his scoop. And when the mayor rescued that jackhole down at Park Street, I got him that one too. 
So now he's getting married, and he's all like, Mallory, I want you to come to my wedding. And I'm all, what? Because, you know, I like the guy and all, but it's not like we're fuck buddies or anything. But then he's like, you're my designated witness, Mallory, and I'm about to have the most ridiculous debacle of a wedding anyone's ever seen. And after it's all over and done, I need someone to tell the story. And I don't know anyone better suited than you. Go ahead and apply the anesthetic. So what could I say after that? Like, I'm going to say no? So I told him, yeah, sure thing. I'll come be his fucking wedding recap. Going to be an animal wrangler, too. They're having doves and shit. Going to release them right after when they say, I now pronounce you married as fuck. But I'm going to keep the doves happy in the meanwhile. Make sure they've got food and water and no asshats try to feed them booze. Okay, the bunny's out. Let's get up in this bitch. That splenic margina zone lymphoma ain't going to cut itself out. Scalpel. Making the first incision. So that's what I'm doing tonight. Going to Chuck Octagon's new seven wedding special, live from Redline, with special guest Andy Wood. And I'll be doing the after-show pundit shit, laying down the play-by-play of the whole damn thing. Oh, man, would you look at that tumor? Don't you worry, Mr. Bun-Bun. We'll get you all fixed up, good as new. This is Chuck Octagon, reporting from Chuck Octagon's new seven wedding special, live from Redline, with special guest Andy Wood. Uh, hi, I'm Andy Wood. I'm marrying Chuck. Thank you all for coming. We are gathered here today to celebrate one of life's greatest moments, the joining of two hearts. Do you, Chuck Octagon, take Andy Wood to be your lawfully wedded husband? Do you, Andy Wood, take Chuck Octagon to be your lawfully wedded husband? Okay, tell me exactly what happened. What happened? What happened was... I got married. I'm married now. That's that's the important thing. The rest of it, I mean, the rest of it was what the military would refer to as a clusterfuck, combining the words cluster and fuck. It's used to describe a spectacularly mishandled situation. Well, I'm not even supposed to do weddings anymore, but these weddings were my idea in the first place, from that time I photographed What's-Her-Face's wedding, Bespin. So I was there, with my camera. I'm gonna need copies of all the photos. Of course. Anyway... It all started well enough. It was nice, actually. No brides, right? Makes everything easier. We, we did all that bullshit pre-ceremony post shots at South Station where you've got that wrought iron canopy for the upstairs dining. It's really pretty up there. It's not all frou-frou. So we had the grooms up there, the wedding party, the families, all that shit, and Bespin. Why was she there? Photo ops. Why else? Yes, I attended, despite the busy schedule I keep as Redline's foremost candidate for city mayor. That's not what the polls say, Emily. Not yet, Gemma. But like my raspberry sugar dumpling Ethan always says, you don't really know what the code's doing until the program compiles. Is that what Ethan says? Or robo-Ethan? I can't imagine what you're talking about. But as you know, Ethan and I also got married on the red line. On the red line, mind you, not in red line. This was before the referendum, you see. Back when weddings on trains still ran smoothly. Before incompetent management turned transit matrimony into the debacle it is today. But what do you expect when the mayor spends her time orchestrating celebrity weddings instead of doing her job? She leaves all the real work to that Weatherby girl. You mean Melissa. 
Charlotte's assistant. I was overseeing most of the organization, the caterers, the musicians, uh, the whole structural monster. Charlotte was officiating, of course, while you and the baby were walking the perimeter. I can't believe you brought a baby to a wedding. Who does that? It's a good thing I was there. Who knows what would have happened? Yes, you have my begrudging gratitude. I had a good view of the ceremony, which was lovely, by the way. Charlotte is getting very good at officiating and working under the direct scrutiny of both her rival mayoral candidates. Though at least Ms. Powell had the courtesy to arrive at the ceremony rather than crashing the family photos like Ms. Bespin did. I arrived right on time. Even remembered to silence my phone first thing. Everything seemed very nicely organized with a proper usher to show me to my seat. And the grooms were a handsome pair in their matching tuxedos. It's funny, you get into politics and almost right away you start to see the press as some kind of monsters. It was good to see Mr. Octagon up there with his man. Reminds you that we're all human. I know what you mean. But then I noticed that canopy you had on that train car. I never knew train cars could come with a convertible option. I wasn't expecting that. (laughs) So I was a little distracted, thinking about when is this thing going to open up? It started right around when the grooms were exchanging sips of wine in honor of their mothers. That was a nice gesture. Hadn't seen that in a wedding before. But then the canopy started to open... I just wasn't sure what to make of it. I confess, I got out of my seat at that time. I moved to the back of the car, back where that that little girl with the impressive vocabulary was watching over that cage full of doves. Just had to see how that whole canopy mechanism worked. <laughs> and at that time, all I saw above us was the ceiling of the tunnel, We were still inside, still enclosed, but I knew we'd get to Charles MGH eventually. We were headed for the bridge, just a few stops off. Soon enough, all that'd be over our heads was open sky. That was one of the reasons I agreed to shoot the wedding. I mean, how often do you get to shoot photos from an open-top subway train? I was around the middle of the car, positions for the ceremony, but I also wanted to be able to pivot at the right moment to get a shot at the doves being released once we hit the Longfellow. So I I was in the perfect spot to see everything from start to finish. When I wanted to put a convertible top on my wedding train, they told me no. Apparently that's a special privilege just for the media. It should have been so beautiful. The idea was beautiful, but instead, instead whatever. Andy and I are married. My husband and I are going to pack for our honeymoon. Sorting out the clusterfuck? That's someone else's problem. I'm on vacation. I'm out. You've reached the voicemail of Autumn West. I'm not here right now, but if you leave your name and number, I'll get back to you as soon as I can. If you're looking for Oliver, please call his office at Third Sight Media. I would tell you his number, but he prefers that you intuit it from the stars. So good luck with that. Hey, on Autumn. It's Phil. Haven't talked to you in a while. Thought maybe I should check in and see how you're doing. I've been spending a lot of time with Uncle Ollie. 
I mean, I'm sure you know that. He keeps me busy. Odd jobs and the like. He's been working really hard lately. Harder than ever. Harder than's probably good for him. You remember that thing he had me do last year? Getting that crystal ball down in the subway? And you told me not to? I can't say no to Uncle Ollie. That wasn't such a big thing, really. But now there's this new project I'm helping him with. It was okay at first. It was exciting. But, I don't know. It's getting out of hand. Uncle Ollie's made some decisions that... He can't take those decisions back. And I think he's going to want to. I don't know. Maybe he needs to hear from you. You need to talk to him on Autumn. Get him to step back and look at what he's doing. Anyway, that's all. I've got some errands to run. Package to deliver. Back to the tunnels again. I'm getting really tired of those tunnels. Love you on Autumn. I'll talk to you later. Yeah, I'm in the apartment. I don't know why first floor apartments have windows six feet in the air. Jesus Christ, I had to make a staircase out of garbage cans. Well, I applaud your ingenuity. You're sure the boy won't come back? I slipped a note under the door, sent him all the way down to downtown crossing, or else there'd be consequences. Lit right out of here. He'll be gone a good hour, at least. Well done. Let's get on to proper business. So, I need to get these cans out of the kitchen? No, no, that wouldn't be nearly suspicious enough. That's where someone would normally leave empty cans. Does he have a study or a workshop you might leave them in? He's got a bedroom, Uncle Ollie. He's a 19-year-old with three housemates. No, he doesn't have a study. Housemates? Be careful they don't hear you. Of course they hear me. Trust me, they won't care. College kids don't investigate weird sounds from their housemates' bedrooms. That's a strict policy. Very well, then. Maybe just leave the empty cans under his bed. You got it. That's not something people walk around with, Uncle Ollie. What are you talking about? I would never leave home without a copy of my birth certificate. Yeah, here we go. Student ID. Photo and everything. Ah, ideal. You're sure about this? Yes, it's perfect. No, no, I, I don't mean the ID. I mean the plan. What we're doing. Yes, yes, I'm certain. Now, get down into the tunnels, Philip. All right. On my way.
Okay, how do I get this? Ow! That's hot! Why is it so hot? Damn it, I can barely see. Hey! Shit! Hey, can you come down from there? Nothing wrong here. I'm, ma- I'm with maintenance. Just doing my maintenance. Nika, right? How do you know my name? Oliver sent me. I got a message for you. Look, just come down from there. A train could come anytime. I've got to finish this. If you don't come down, I'm going to knock the ladder over. Oh, with me on it? I'll knock it over slowly. That's not how gravity works. Okay, here I go. Knocking the ladder hey, over. Hey, stop! Nope, it's Hey, go- hey! No, hey! Holy shit! Ow! God damn it, I cut my finger. Ow, ow, ow! Are you okay? Shut up! Look, here's the note from my uncle. Your uncle? Oliver. Oh. Fine, give it over here. Nika, thank you for your fine work these past few months. You have been a true asset to the cause. I'm sure you'll be glad to know that I have given serious consideration to your request that we cancel the current operation, and have concluded that you are correct. Please discontinue your current efforts and return to the surface. Cancelled? Looks like. But now what? Now nothing. But we had a plan. And now there's a new plan. What new plan? Do nothing, sit tight, that's the plan. You're off the hook. Why do you do this? Uh, just family, I guess. That's it? It's not exactly a small thing. No, you're right. Why don't you get out of here? I'll clean this up. Okay. Be careful if you work on the thing. It's gotten really hot for some reason. Don't worry about me. Philip? She's out of the way. We can go ahead with this thing. If you're sure. If you're completely sure. You're not having doubts, are you? I'm worried about you, Uncle Ollie. But will you do what I've asked you? I've got the student ID right here. I'll drop it right now. That's what you want. But this is it. There's no going back from this. It's what we need to do, Philip. Please proceed. Done. Thank you, Philip. What was the first thing you noticed to suggest that something might be wrong? It was that smell. It was the noise from up ahead in the tunnel. It wasn't until I saw people starting to freak out. It was that boy who tried to crash the wedding. We had just stopped at downtown crossing and they'd opened the doors to let in late arrivals, invited guests. But there's this kid there demanding to get on. Black guy, very agitated, obviously not on the guest list, not even dressed for a wedding. He's in a freaking Tufts sweatshirt, like Tufts is anything to be proud of. Safety school, people. And at first, I figure this kid just can't accept that this isn't a public train, like he thinks he's too important to wait for the next train. Just your usual entitled plebeian, you understand. I first noticed the odor during the processional. Kind of a burning smell. I never noticed the smell. Redline cars just always smell like they're on fire. That's just one of the things you get used to. But this odor had a particularly sweet quality to it, like burnt sugar. Reminded me of my grandmother making peanut brittle. No, I never noticed the odor. I wore extra perfume as a personal bulwark against subway odor. The odor got much stronger as the canopy opened. 
I even thought maybe it was the canopy engine making the smell. That's when I started to hear some mechanical sounds from down the tunnel. Kind of a high-pitched whine and a revving sound. Like, like something revving up. I did notice the noise. I'm accustomed to the sound of machines, as you'd imagine. My darling pumpkin spice Pop-Tart Ethan has introduced me to all sorts of mechanical devices, and naturally I've developed an ear for identifying them. And so I figured out that I was hearing two distinct mechanisms, a pump and a fan. We were just coming up on Park Street at that point, but slowly. We had it all timed out so that we'd hit the bridge right when Mayor Lindsay Coolidge was pronouncing Mr. Octagon and Mr. Wood married. You know, for the bird release. But then I heard Emily shout, close the canopy! And I got it right off. The molasses, the tea, and now the open canopy. I'd seen the controls earlier, up front of the car, so I ran for that. That girl with the birds pushed me under the table, practically tackled me to the ground, tucked me up under the table behind the tablecloth. And then everyone was getting undercover, under chairs, tables, whatever was available. And and that sound was getting louder as we got closer to it. The Melissa had hit the canopy control, so that was closing again, but it's a really slow mechanism. So I guess I just went into full journo mode because I just started shooting all of it. The chaos, the canopy closing, the people diving under tables, and you out there in the middle of it all, giving orders, telling people where to go, what to do, all with little Monty still strapped to your chest over your gown. Charlotte took care of the grooms, got them under the table that had been placed there for the wine ceremony, and I'm trying to call to you to get down, get to safety, to Monty, but you're just focused on everyone else, where they need to be. And now I can see, I can see the thing up ahead, through the open roof. There's this nozzle out there. And it's shooting, I don't even know what, but it's steaming, it's hot. And I'm under the table, so all I see is Emily's feet. But then she's moving, fast as anything. I see Emily throw a tarp over you and the baby, and I, and I don't even know where she got the tarp from. I'm guessing it, maybe it was for the birds, but she got this tarp, and she gets it over you just in time, because now there's this shit spraying all over the train car. She pulls you both under a table with her, and, and you won't believe the shots I got of this whole thing. Yeah, yeah, please don't remind me who I owe my life to right now. And I realize at that point what this stuff is. Once I'm under the table, I can see it hitting the ground all around me, splashing off the floor. It's beans, baked beans. And then I hear this clatter above me, and the birds go nuts. They're just flapping like crazy. And I can't imagine what that crash was, but then I realize I don't see that girl's feet anymore, the one who helped me. She'd been standing there by the birdcage, and now she's gone. And I realized that instead of getting under the table, she just jumped on top of the birdcage. She's just draped her whole body over it. And she says, I gotta protect the birds. And things were about to get even worse. Because the canopy was partially closed. But that just meant that it was up in the air. If it had been fully closed or fully open, the canopy would have been fine. Halfway between, it's high enough to catch on the pump. (sighs) The 
canopy spokes caught on the nozzle and one whole side just tore right out. Right after that is the first time I heard someone really scream. Like not just in fear, but like someone who was hurting. Someone had been damaged. And it's that girl, the one on the birdcage. She's shrieking. She's in pain. She's been hit by that stuff, the, the beans, and they're hot in that sugar sauce that baked beans have. Mallory. Her name's Mallory. Mallory was all the way at the end of the car. She was the last person at risk. After that, the pump was just spraying beans onto the roof of the other cars. But there was still the canopy swinging from the top of our car, shooting sparks off where, where the spokes were scraping the sides of the tunnel. But then we were out into the open air. I was still under the table, but I could tell from how the light changed. The light came through the tablecloth. And then I heard the flapping again, right before the birds went quiet. She released the birds. I saw her do it. Her whole back was covered in scalding beans with all that molasses, but she still hit the release once we were at Longfellow Bridge. She let all the birds fly. Hello. You have reached the telephone of Isabel Powell. I'm not able to come to the phone right now, but if you leave your name and number, I'll get back to you just as soon as I am able. If you're calling about apartment listings, please try my office line at Power Real Estate. If you're calling to support my Mario campaign, please try my office line at Power for Red Line. Either way, make the right move with Isabel Powell. Hey, Aunt Izzy, it's Isaiah. Listen, I know you have that wedding today, but there's something going on you ought to know about. I got this note slipped under the door, had my name on it. So already, that's pretty weird. No one I know is sending me notes under a door. So I open it, and there's just this index card inside with a message. No greeting, no signature, like this guy totally have failed that professional communications class they make us take. But whoever it is says they've got information about you, Aunt Isabel. Something that would embarrass you. And like, there's only one thing I know of that that might be. But they're saying they're going to tell people if I don't come meet them. Come discuss some arrangement. I knew you should have just been straight with people about that. It's not even that big a thing. It's only even a thing because it's a secret. But anyway, they gave me a time and a place to meet them at Downtown Crossing Station. They told me not to tell anyone, but like hell I'm going off to meet with who knows who, and I'm not telling someone. I think you'll be passing right by there, though. If I see your train, I'll try to get to you. I'll tell you more when I know it. Love you, Aunt Izzy. Talk to you later. I'm sorry, Michael, but I've made a bad decision. All this time, I've tried so hard not to. But he had your fate in his hands, Michael, and I just couldn't abandon you, even if it meant aiding a villain. And until now, most of what he demanded of me wasn't terrible. Spy on Emily Bespin, spy on Charlotte Linzer Coolidge. He used me as a political tool, but for stupid politics, so that I was blinded to the harm in it. What does it matter who becomes mayor of Redline? The whole absurd debacle is only going to collapse back into itself in short order, no matter who's in charge. How could it not? So keeping you safe seemed like the right thing to do, even with the cost. 
But then you came up here, and he locked you in, and kept you at his mercy. Not just your job, but your very life. And so he finally made a bigger ask. To spy on someone innocent, someone decent. And to bring back information that will bring that benevolent enemy down. And I did it. I got him what he needed. Information that will hurt someone. Information that will cause real harm. And he's going to use it, Michael. I don't know how exactly. I don't know the scope of the harm this information will do. But whatever happens is my fault. I can't say I had no choice, Michael. Of course I had a choice. There's always a choice. I could give him what he wants. The ammunition he needs to ruin a stranger, someone who means nothing to me, or I could abandon you. I chose, Michael. I chose selfishly. And I'm afraid that I chose wrong. What happened after Longfellow? The train just kept going. For everything that had happened, no one had bothered to tell the driver. So we're still passing through stops and we're going faster now. The plan was full speed to Alewife so we'd clear the track for the regular commuter trains. So we're barreling through Kendall, Harvard, Central, and then we get to Porter. Pathetic, rickety, disaster waiting to happen, total abdication of responsibility, Porter. The structures were only ever meant to be temporary. Are we even going to call the residences at that station structures? That's stretching the definition rather far, isn't it? They were a flimsy, two-story play tent. The fact that Linzer Coolidge had the gall to put people up in such a flytrap and call it urban planning is proof enough of her qualifications. Michael was living there. I, I, I don't think he was at home at the time, thank God. I mean, he's been missing for days. You know that, right? I've been looking into it. But at least, I, I don't think he was there. As we hit Porter, that canopy swung out from the train again with those metal spokes, those claws, just reaching out for something to grab. And here's this giant net with canvas walls just strung up through the station. Of course it snagged. Of course the spokes grabbed hold of that spider web and tore the whole ramshackle thing down. Please, who couldn't have seen that coming? It all fell. All those homes. And the people inside them. It's a wonder no one was seriously hurt. I don't even understand how that happened. Some kind of miracle, a few bumps and bruises, a sprained ankle or two, and the grace of God. But that's it. We literally pulled away people's homes right out from under them, like a magician pulling out the tablecloth without spilling the wine. The weirdest thing was the stress balls. Thousands of them just fell into the train car, practically filled it up like the world's sketchiest ball pit. Those were Michael's. And then we reached Davis. That's where we finally stopped. The doors opened and all those squeezy stress balls just poured out onto the platform. And the police were already right there waiting to provide assistance, as I'd had the foresight to call them when we were all hiding under the tables. I gave them the description of that kid I saw trying to force his way onto the train. I called my butterscotch pudding pop with rainbow sprinkles Ethan right after it all happened and I told him I bet it was that kid. I have to tell you something. Oh, I don't like the sound of that. The police have made an arrest. A witness described the suspect attempting to force his way onto the wedding train. The police found this same suspect's student ID down on the tracks by the device. 
They went to his apartment and found a stash of canned beans, dozens of empty cans, and tools like someone would use to build the device that sprayed the beans on the subway. That ought to be good news. They caught the person who did this. But you're not saying any of this like it's good news. The suspect's name is Powell. Isaiah Powell. What? He's been arrested. No. There's no situation on God's green earth where my Isaiah did this. That's not the truth. There's no way. No way. This is what happened to my family. No way. You think he did this? You think my own nephew did this? I don't know. You don't know. You know. You know. He's innocent. My Isaiah is innocent. You know. I'm sorry. I don't know. I don't. I'm sorry. I'm... I don't know. Greater Boston is written and produced by Alexander Danner and Jeff Van Driesen with recording and technical assistance from Mark Harmon. Follow us on Twitter at InGreaterBoston or on Tumblr at GreaterBlogston. In order of appearance, this episode featured Joanna Bobnick as Mallory, Summer Unsen as Charlotte Linzer Coolidge, Jeff Van Driesen as Chuck Octagon, Mark Harmon as special guest Andy Wood, Lydia Anderson as Gemma Linzer Coolidge, Julia Prop as Luisa Alvarez, Sam Musher as Emily Bespin, Tanya Milojevic as Melissa Weatherby, Jessica Washington as Isabel Powell, Beth Eyre as Autumn West, Mike Melia as Phil West, Mike Linden as Oliver West, Kelly McCabe as Nika Stamatis, Mario DeRosa as Isaiah Powell, and Braden Lamb as Leon Stamatis. Also featuring Erie Alexander, Laura Bramblett, Sean Howard, and Eli McElveen as panicked partygoers. Interviews conducted with real Greater Boston residents. Charlie on the MTA, both versions, and Cotton Eye Joe recorded by Adrienne Howard, Emily Peterson, and Dirk Teedy. Kentucky Mule by Tate Peterson. Drums by Jim Johansson. Additional music and sound effects used from public domain and creative Commons sources. Transcripts are posted online at greaterbostonshow.com. And then, and then I love the, like, the, just, this is the most insane stage direction or whatever it is. Like, wedding music, train sounds, blips of Charlotte officiating, weird machinery, gushing noises, screaming, scraping, crashing, utter chaos. <laughs> It's like, wow. Okay, the bunny's out. Let's get up in this bitch. That splenic march. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, how do you say this? Splenic margina zone lymphoma? I don't know. Splenic margina zone lymphoma? You know what? As long as you own it, it doesn't matter. Yeah. The Fable and Folly Network where fiction producers flourish. What kind of woman becomes a pirate? From the makers of Mockery Manor. Violent, insane, not at all comely, and they smell like a couple of dead badgers preserved in cheap rum. Comes an adventure on the high seas. Will you pay extra if I push a little harder? No, 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 please. I'm just a writer. I'm writing a book and I would like you to be in it. Inspired by the lives and loves of the pirates Anne Bonny and Mary Reed. You think you know me, Anne? 
Do you think I never got my hands dirty? Your mind's been so twisted, you think pirates deserve mercy? Did either of you ever meet Blackbeard? Everyone loves a rebel. They love to see him swing, too. Put your weapons away, both of you. Stop it! Oh, Anne and Mary! Fight like men! Or he'll hang like dogs! Starring Christina Bianco, Suze Kempner, Hamilton's Carl Queensborough, and more. Do they have tails? Somebody told me they have tails. Oh, I haven't seen a tail, your ladyship. The Ballad of Anne and Mary. Available now wherever you get podcasts.